Okay, funeral scientists, this is going to be the first of our October case reports. For the month of October, you can expect an episode released per week as I look at spooky deaths and link them to real-life embalming cases. Stand by for the end of this episode because the something good that's happening is something free from me. In this episode, we are going to learn about the death of Gilbert Kane, the first victim of the Xenomorph from the movie Alien, released in 1979. Before we discuss how Kane became a victim, we have to understand the life cycle of the Xenomorph. I hope you enjoy the names of the stages of the Xenomorph life as much as I do as we go through them. It begins with an egg, just like any good parasite would. From there, what is known as a facehugger alien is released. It has an apt name because it hugs the face of the host and inserts an ovipositor down the throat of its host and implants an embryo. Inside the host, the embryo develops into a chestburster, rightly named because it bursts out of the host's chest. During its incubation period, the embryo adapts to the DNA of the host, which is where the name xenomorph comes from. Xeno means alien, and morph, in the biological sense, means variations of the same species. So in this alien creates a variation of its own species by adapting the DNA of the host. When the chestburster is ready to come out, it forces its way out of the host's upper torso and living up to its name. Now we can look at Kane's death in the context of the chest having burst and the embalming complications it would cause. In this case, the problems are pretty straightforward. His vascular system would be highly disrupted and there would be a gaping hole in his chest. However, I would like to look at this from the aspect of a real-life parasite that we may have to deal with, the tapeworm. According to the Mayo Clinic, Tapeworms can live inside a human for decades and can grow up to 80 feet in length, which may not be quite as terrible as an alien bursting out of one's chest, but still, it's pretty close. So how does one acquire a tapeworm? They come from coming in contact with contaminated feces or ingesting contaminated meat. In the best case scenario, the adult tapeworm can live inside your intestines and merely cause abdominal discomfort, nausea, and blockages. However, tapeworms are not bound to just the digestive system and can travel to other organs to lay their eggs as an invasive infection. Some of their favorite places to do this are in your liver and kidneys which cause cysts that lead to organ failure. Liver failure can lead to jaundice. For embalmers, this can be a real challenge. Bilirubin is a yellow pigment in your body that is made during the breakdown of red blood cells. It is passed through your liver and is excreted in feces and urine. However, when the liver fails, there is a backup of bilirubin into the tissues. In a yet-to-totally-be-understood chemical reaction, when bilirubin comes into contact with formaldehyde, it turns green. The potential of this widespread green discoloration creates an obvious issue for embalmers because families generally don't want to see their loved ones turn green. There are special fluids designed for this condition, or embalmers can choose to embalm with 
the normal chemicals and add dye to try to minimize the green that comes through. The rest can be dealt with through cosmetics and lighting. Making sure you have proper preservation is key as you cannot cover up decomposition with makeup and lights. Kidney failure also causes an issue for embalmers. Urea nitrogen is created when your liver breaks down protein. It is carried in your blood and filtered by your kidneys. If your kidneys are not operating, this nitrogen backs up into your body and into your tissues. The issue here is that not only do you have fluid increase, and as we discussed in the Funeral Science Podcast episode, Decomposition Part 2, water is responsible for hydrolytic reactions that break down proteins that contain nitrogen. That's not all. Nitrogen from any source attacks the formaldehyde molecule, so more nitrogen from increased decomposition and buildup from failed kidneys are also going to raise our preservative demand significantly. However, liver and kidney failure are not unique to tapeworms, so these problems are well within the scope of an embalmer to address. Now for this episode's spooky listener questions. Have you ever had someone ask to be buried in their costume or have a Halloween-themed funeral? Unfortunately for me, I have not had the pleasure of either. However, I did once have a visitation scheduled on Halloween, and a few people did show up in their costumes. Since I did ask this question on Instagram, a few people messaged me to tell me their stories. One man told me that one of his co-workers showed up dressed as a knight and conducted the whole service graveside, something the family did not request. Someone else wrote to tell me that she had buried a person dressed as Ben Kenobi. I have also seen with proof of clowns being buried in their clown costumes. So what about the funeral home? Two adjacent questions I received were, how can the funeral home celebrate Halloween? The following is just my opinion, and it belongs to me only. Personally, I would keep it simple and non-threatening. For example, I would get up a light-up ghost bowl for candy that I saw at Target. Those sorts of little things, no big or crazy decorations. I would also make sure that there is no gore, and I wouldn't associate any of our instruments or equipment with the public with one exception, the hearse. Now, hearses are recognizable as symbols of the funeral industry. And if you wanted to take part in a parade or have it out front for public trick-or-treat, that would make sense. Just don't give the idea that the funeral home is gross or that things are creeping out of the prep room into the funeral chapel. Public outreach programs like a trunk or treat that raise community awareness and involvement are also a fun way to do this. We aren't that different from any other business, so showing that we are fun is a great as long as it is classy. If you ever wonder how to think of it, think of a doctor's office or hospital and how you would feel about seeing Halloween decorations there. Funeral homes know their clients and their relationship with the community better than anyone else, so all of what I just said is very general advice, and if you are planning something, do it. Just keep it classy. And now for something good that's happening. I am giving away free stuff for you to win. For about a year and a half, 
I've been looking at products in our everyday life that contain embalming chemicals, including formaldehyde. I call these embalming chemicals in the wild. Now I want to see what embalming chemicals in the wild you can find. If you need examples, you can check out my Instagram story highlights for the one that is labeled E-C-I-T-W. In order to enter, you must follow me on Instagram at Mortracker, M-O-R-T-R-A-Q-R, and post your embalming chemicals in the wild video using the hashtag, hashtag embalming chemicals in the wild, and tag me in your post by November 10th, 2021. We will hold a contest to find Instagram's favorite entry, and the winner will receive a free copy of Creating Natural Form Restorative Art Theory and Application, and all participants will receive a free sticker prize pack. Okay, that's it for this episode. Do you have a question for me? You can email me at funeral science podcast at gmail.com with the subject line podcast question are you or someone you know doing something that promotes education equality or otherwise raises awareness about an issue in funeral service please send me information about it to funeral science podcast at gmail.com with the subject line a good thing is happening as a note here, that has an exclamation mark in it, so be sure to include that in your subject line, and I will be sure to read it. You can also follow me on social media. I'm Mort Tracker on Instagram. That's M-O-R-T-R-A-Q-R. You can also like the Funeral Science Podcast Facebook page. I've also heard on other podcasts that if you rate and review podcasts you like, it helps them. So if you like this podcast then please do that wherever you are listening from. All right, everybody, I'll talk to you later.